Good news. My new book is almost here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth. And while it doesn't officially come out with Sounds True until May 7th, you can pre-order it now. And when you do, you'll receive up to $500 in additional gifts and resources to support you on your healing journey. I wrote this book because in the four-year span between 2016 and 2020, I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked every area of my life, health, relationships, finances, career, social status, and even my very identity. Along the way, I experienced firsthand just how dysfunctional our culture's relationship to loss really is. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success, shackled with isolation, and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and evolution, not only as individuals, but as a species. So this book expands the conversation around grief and loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we cover those too, to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. This includes the end of a relationship or job, death of a loved one, a natural disaster or a war, infertility, abortion, or a financial crisis. Also, when we're going through hard times, we're encouraged at every turn to hurry up and get on with it. But by trying to power through these messier seasons of life, we're denying ourselves the very answers to our healing and growth. Whether you're experiencing hardship right now, or you know that you have past hurts that are holding you back and still need healing, this book will support you. Handbook for the Heartbroken will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. Within the loving pages of this book, you'll have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically, find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. You can download your free chapter now and pre-order the book to receive all those bonuses at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. That's handbookfortheheartbroken.com. I also want to add that pre-ordering the book now is the very best way that you can support me as an author and the health of this book when it enters the world in May. It signals to booksellers to stock the book at that time and in turn, make it available to more people who need it. So thank you for your pre-orders. Thank you for your support. And I look forward to continuing to deepen together in this important conversation over the coming months. Hello, welcome to the Sarah Avon Stover podcast, a space to come home to your inner wisdom. I'm Sarah, best-selling author and teacher of women's yoga, meditation, and spirituality. And this podcast was born out of my own desire to hear Dharma talks, which are what the Buddhist tradition calls wisdom teachings, through the distinct lens and voice of the sacred feminine. Here, I'll share these very talks, along with rich conversations about all different facets of the feminine spiritual journey. But above all, I created this because I believe that when a woman gets still and quiet enough to hear her inner wisdom, she's able to live her true path in the world. I hope this podcast helps you do just this. I'm happy you're here. 
Let's dive in. Hello, hello. Happy fall for those who are in my part of the world. Happy spring to those of you who are down under. We just crossed the threshold of the September equinox and definitely here in Boulder, Colorado, things are shifting pretty much overnight. Suddenly I'm not needing to sleep with the air conditioner on, have my wool socks on and a sweater on, have all the windows closed. Autumn is here. And what I'm sharing today is an excerpt of a talk that I gave just last weekend for an equinox retreat for the community. I'm sharing a little piece of that. So hopefully that will help to give some inspiration and orientation to this new season. And before we head into that, I want to just give you a heads up about something that I'm offering in mid-October. And this is something very close to my heart, just from my own personal experience and also what's happening in the world, many places around the world, most recently here in the U.S. and Texas with the latest abortion ban. So on Friday, October 15th, I'm leading a virtual abortion healing circle. It's for two hours and it's a safe and sacred space to honor the initiation of your abortion and empower you to heal at every level of your being, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Uh, I know firsthand that having an abortion is potentially a life-changing experience. It certainly was for me. And after abortions, women are provided little to no support. And I was really shocked at the lack of support that I found available, not only from my peers, but also just from society. And it's time for us to change this. So whether you had your abortion three days or 30 years ago, whether you feel relieved or diseased about your choice, whether or not you've kept your decision a secret, we'll gather together to heal, share, and support one another. And we'll use the primary modality of internal family systems therapy. It's a form of therapy that I've been a client of for many years and that I'm now a practitioner of. I have found it to be by far the gentlest and most effective therapeutic modality I've ever come across, which is why I've trained in it and it's why I'm using it with clients. Uh, We'll do some journaling, some meditation, some ritual, and of course the healing power of, uh, excuse me, healing power of circle sharing. So to join this circle, uh, I recommend joining live, although if you can't, you'll have access to the recording for a week afterwards. And you'll also have access, unlimited ongoing access to a private online forum that I created for healing after abortion. So those of us in this population can just stay connected with each other through our healing journey. To learn more and join us, you can go to womensyogateachertraining.com forward slash abortion circle, womensyogateachertraining.com forward slash abortion circle. I look forward to sharing sacred space with you. And if you know of women who could use this kind of support, please pass this on to them as well. All right, so... 
Without further ado, here is a short talk on welcoming the equinox. Enjoy. I want to share some words about seasonal shifts. And I know that a lot of this is review. This is, we're all here because we, we understand the value and the importance of pausing, even if it's just for a couple of hours like we're doing today, just to acknowledge the transition from one season to the next, which is like one state of being to the next, because our all of these bodies that we just investigated make the transition as well. And the more that the weather fluctuates where you are, the more that your own bodies are going to be impacted by that fluctuation as well. And you don't need to tell you don't need me to tell you that we're living in very intense times. And we need to become more and more adept at processing intensity. And the way that we process intensity, the only way that we can process intensity is to process it through our bodies. Where how else is it going to happen but through our bodies? We experience existence through our bodies. And all of these bodies that we just explored, the the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, these are all held in the physical body. So even doing the type of movement that we're going to be doing today or ideally doing some form of movement on a daily basis is important for processing intensity of life. And even the foods that we eat or, you know, self-care that we do, getting massage, taking baths, sitting in meditation, feeling our feelings or laying in bed or on the couch and feeling our feelings, shaking, screaming, crying, laughing. These are all singing, dancing. These are all ways of processing intensity of life through our bodies. And sometimes things are so intense that it's too much for our bodies to process just a singular body. And actually, we were never meant to navigate life as a single body, as a single some body. And that's one of the um, illnesses of modern times and Western civilization is this disease of hyper-individualism. We were meant to be part of this web of life. And I don't know if any of you have watched the the new documentary or new-ish documentary on Netflix called Fantastic Fungi. Uh, but I, I highly recommend watching it if you haven't already. I, I mentioned it in my newsletter a couple of months ago. It's a beautiful film, just visually and also the message. And it's really looking at how fungi have, they, they work in these networks, uh, the, these altruistic networks of care and support and, um, sending nutrients to trees that are hurting and the, it's this this species has wisdom for us as human beings who are very much failing at doing this and so during these times when things are more intense we need to do it with other people we need to process this intensity as multiple bodies and west african traditions around grief and 
particularly grief rituals that were set up to help people process grief, they actually name that the human nervous system is not wired to grieve alone. The energy is too big, too strong for one individual to manage that. We actually need to be held in community to be able to move that big of energy through us. So it's great that even just us being here together today in this way, we're, we're doing this together. We're processing the transitions of our lives, the material of our lives through all of our bodies, where we're processing our, our mental, our emotional, our physical, our spiritual bodies together in community. And even if we don't understand intellectually how that increases our capacity, we can trust that that is happening because we are stronger when we come together and we do this kind of work together. So this is how we process change. We process change through the body. And we can even see this when death comes and the body decomposes. It's change is processed through, through tissue, through matter. And change is processed in animals through their bodies. We can see that when animals shake or when they stretch, they're much more, or when they, when they run something off or when they sleep, it's, they're moving the energy through their physical bodies. And we've all just, most of civilization has gotten so disconnected from the body that, that we're really losing our main resource to help us to navigate these times. So processing change through the body is what animals do. It's what, it's what nature does. And because we are animals, we are nature, we need to be doing this too. So when the seasons change, nature is processing change through the body of the earth. The seasonal shifts, seasons, is, is what it looks like for the earth to process change through her body. Uh, and, you know, summer turning to fall, this is nature processing that transition through its body. And it looks a certain way at this time of year, just like if we meet three months from now at the, the solstice, it's going to look a different way how nature is processing the, the change, the shift from fall to winter through her body. So we can see nature's body as just an extension of our own bodies or our bodies as an extension of nature's body. They, they are deeply connected. And so because nature's body is changing, our body needs to change. Our body needs to shift in alignment with that. And doing this, it's a way of, of healing, of remembering the essence of who we are, which is that we are nature too. And it's remembering this deep ancestral wisdom to move and flow and flux with nature's changes, with that larger body that we are an extension of. This is a saner, more wholesome, more sustainable way of living. So we can think about ways that we feel connected to nature's body through our bodies in the summertime because that's the season that we're just leaving. It's the closest in our awareness. I know for me, some of those things in the summertime is swimming 
and hiking, camping, kayaking, eating certain foods from the farmer's market, picnicking, walking barefoot. And these are some ways of connecting and aligning and attuning to nature in the summertime. And we can think about like, what are ways that we like to connect with nature in the fall? That's gonna be different than summertime. So some ways might be, again, going to the farmer's market and eating different kinds of foods. Like right now, apples are in season and soon it will be the pumpkins and the bigger squashes. Could like to go for brisker walks outside to go start going to sleep a little bit earlier because the days are getting shorter to start eating more warming foods. You know, like this is a time of year when pumpkin spice, like everything is pumpkin spice. So like, you know, the, those, uh, those more uh, rich, hearty, spiced, nourishing foods. And as these activities change, we can also ask ourselves, well, what else is asking to change in my life in this season? How else am I asking, how else am I being asked to shift and change and grow and process things in a new way? And that's also one of the benefits of each season. It's, it gives us an opportunity just to, to, re, to assess, to reassess ourselves, our lives, even to redefine ourselves in little ways, just kind of one season at a time. And we will have some space in this retreat to do these deeper reflections on our own. So this, this time of year is asking us to turn more inwards, to get more inward focus than outer focus. It's it's the transition. We're processing the transition from the full yang of summer to the full yin of winter. And we need, we need a runway for that. And the runway for that is autumn, where we, we gradually start to transition our focus from outer to inner. So it's not such a big shock when winter comes. And also the medicine of the seasons, like the medicine of summer is, um, is more playful. It's more about outward engagement of service, tending to others, being with others. And the medicine of the fall is the medicine of study. So we can see how that is still engaging the outer world, but it's also bringing us further in. It's, it's making us, it's, study is a solitary experience. Like while we can do it in groups, Ultimately, we're, we're digesting and metabolizing that experience, that material in our own psyches, in our own bodies, in our own heart. And so we can ask ourselves, you know, are there particular things that you are studying that you want to kind of intensify that the study of that in this season? Or are there things that you're interested in studying? Maybe there is a particular course that you want to take or a course that you are taking it's a great time. You know, this is, it's a back to school time for a reason. This, this is when that, that energy in nature is, is really asking us to engage in, in this way with ourselves in this way. 
So it's a great time to start a course. It's a great time to even get a reading list for yourself if you're a reader or if you like to listen, listen to things, listen to books, audible books, to, to get a reading list. Like what are, what are the subjects that I'm interested in exploring? What am I wanting to go deeper in over these next few months? And fall is also the, the season of grief. You know, summer is a season of joy. Fall is the season of grief. And grief is another aspect of our culture that is not acknowledged, not recognized, not supported. You know, you, you can be lucky if, if you have, at least in the U.S., if you have a corporate job to get, a, you know, three days of bereavement leave. And we all know that you know, three days after a loss, you're still in shock. Grief hasn't even started yet. Grief, we really need at least a year of support after a major loss to grieve. And a lot of ancient cultures, especially in West Africa, where grieving was very much acknowledged, the individual has a full year to be supported by community, to not have to to show up and work, to pull oneself up by his or her bootstraps, but community is holding them during that time, understanding the importance of grief, because grief is processing the intensity of loss through the body. And if that doesn't happen, you don't ever fully get over that loss. You don't get to the other side. So West, uh, um, a late West African elder, Saban Fusome, who helped to bring grief rituals to the West, one of the things that she suggests is having a bowl of water on your altar. So even this season, if you have a home altar, some another practice that we can do as a season shift is to adjust your altar a little bit, to maybe put some things on the altar that reflect your intentions for this season, uh, the things that you really want to focus on or highlight so that that altar becomes a visual representation of that. And one of those things could be a bowl of water to remember to grieve, to grieve for losses that you have, disappointments that you have, to also help to grieve for the collective. There's so much that is needing to be grieved collectively right now as well. And again, grief needs to be processed through the body. So the more of us that can be open and available to doing that through our bodies, the more we're going to be actually helping humanity come to a, a healthier and more balanced place in general. So grieving comes with letting go. And the trees around us, they, they reflect that. Like over the course of October, like from now until the end of October, at least here in Colorado, it's really Halloween when the leaves are finally gone on the tree, off of the trees. So here it's about another five weeks or so until that happens. So we have this just beautiful display of color. Now people come here from around the world to see these aspen trees turning literally golden over these next five weeks or so. And then it's gone then all that splendor, all that golden beauty is gone. And this is nature saying to us too, yes, like enjoy life, 
to the fullest, shine, share your beauty, share your gifts, and then let go. And then just keep doing that over and over again. Just keep letting go, keep letting go. And one of the core teachings in the Bhagavad Gita is to relinquish expectations for the outcome. And we also live in a modern culture that is just so fixated on the outcome. It has to be good. It has to be perfect. It has to be successful. And there's something really healthy and beautiful about returning to just, just doing something for the sake of doing it. And yeah, you might be disappointed. Things might not work out the way that, that you wanted to, but there's still a full experience in that. There's still a, a richness in that. And I know that I'm not alone in saying this, that I've learned more from my failures in life than I have from my successes. Like it's really my failures that make me who I am. And sure, those sometimes successes are great, but there's just so much rich, richness. And when things do not go the way that, that we wanted them to or intended them to. So this season in, in, invites us to engage with both, to engage with just the fullness of the harvest season, uh, the bounty of it, and also the letting go of all of that, knowing we're moving into another dormant season where earth will be fallow, the, the trees will be barren. So to really just be present and be here and be a witness to the beauty of our lives and know that it's, it's going to change. Just the truth of, of material existence is impermanence. Everything changes. Everything comes and goes. And there's a grief in that, and there's also a huge beauty in that. Um, Dzogchen Pumlap Rinpoche, a Tibetan teacher, said, enjoy the sweetness of love without clinging. So we're asked to do that in the season, to just enjoy the sweetness of life, enjoy the sweetness of loving things about life, of loving other people, but not clinging to that, having empty, empty palms as much as we can and just allowing, allowing the movement of life to happen without holding on so tightly. So the, the quality of the season in terms of the, um, there's four qualities in Buddhism uh, that, that we want to cultivate and I wrote about these in my first book, The Way of the Happy Woman. But this season really asks us to cultivate um, equanimity. These are called the four Brahma Viharas. And equanimity is very associated with the equinox. And the equinox is, is the one of two days of the year where the day and night are of equal length, where light and dark are of equal length. And equanimity is an inner state of being of mental body and emotional body that's not about being flat. It's not about feeling things or it's not about being numb or disassociated, but it's about just feeling the fullness of life and not attaching 
not attaching to like, oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I'm ecstatic. It's just letting it all move through us. Letting life continue to move through us and not holding on to any particular way that that looks or feels. It's like, how can, how can we reframe or just include in our sense of personal identity that our bodies are a vehicle for processing intensity, for processing change, for processing life. And sometimes, you know, if, if you're really doing that, you're going to feel a lot of stuff and that's a good sign. We want to be able to feel more. And with our practice, we want our practice to be able to grow us, to be able to, to, to feel more, to feel the highs and the lows, to feel the fullness of the human experience and to stay equanimous as much as we can, to stay centered. And that doesn't mean, you know, the kind of like that more masculine form that we see a lot in uh, meditations is just to sit and not move at all. Like that, that's an important practice sometimes, but it's like, it's also equally beautiful to, to dance and to move and to cry and to laugh and just, just to let the energy move through us in all of these ways that, that we were created for. And one last piece that I want to share about uh, this, this time of year is that uh, in the Jewish tradition, yesterday was Yom Kippur which is the Day of Atonement. And I love this holiday. I, I wish that it was a holiday for everyone. And it's a, it's a day of fasting. And in that fasting, it's a day of doing a, an extensive life review from the previous year to really see, you know, where did I miss the mark? Where was I out of integrity? Where, you know, where did I flounder and to atone for those mistakes and to atone to them before God or however you experience a higher power and just to hand those over and to ask for forgiveness. And just as with the Greek practice of placing a a bowl of water on an altar, we need to grieve not only for ourselves, but also for the collective. We also can atone for the collective to say, you know, I atone for the errors of my country. I atone for the errors of my species, of my race, my gender, or, you know, we can, we can go to these, these deeper, deeper layers or bigger, bigger layers of atonement. And this is a process of purification of really helping to prepare ourselves just to be naked with the divine to be open and undefended in life. And ultimately that's, that's what we're moving towards to winter because winter is, is the mini death. Winter is the yearly death. And when we die, we want to have a clean slate. We don't want to have regrets. We don't want to be wasting our final moments or using up our final moments to um, to be doing this work of atoning and reviewing and reflecting on our lives, but rather we want to be doing that continually throughout our lives so that we're, we're ready just to surrender back into our source when, when that time comes. So we're going to take some time in practice to 
do some of this atonement reflection, some of this Yom Kippur reflection. And uh, we're going to do some practice to tend to our emotional and physical and mental bodies. And following that, we're going to move into some journaling reflection exercises. And then at the very end, we'll open up time for some some sharing and some Q&A. So I know I just said a lot. Uh, but I'll also just leave some moments here if anyone has any questions or comments before we transition to the next piece. And if you have a question or comment, you can look at the bottom of your screen and there's a, there's a little section that says reactions and you can click on reactions and then click on the raise hand function. Or you can type something into the chat. Okay, so April is asking, what is your definition of a tone? So a tone is, um, another way of saying that is, is a word used in 12-step programs of uh, making amends. You know, where, where were you off? You know, if you said something to someone that might have hurt them or done something or even to, to yourself, um, to, to make amends and to say, like, I, I really see my error and I, I understand the impact of the error. And here is how I'm going to correct it going forward. So it's just, it's doing that life review to see, like, where, where did we err from, like, really being the highest expressions of ourselves, which happens, you know, it's part of being human. Thank you so much for joining me and for taking this time out for yourself. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be very grateful if you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast. That way other women who might enjoy it can better find it. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support.